Greetings old Haleburians and members of the wider Halebury community, wherever and whenever you are listening to our From the Archives podcast. This is Haley Denny, OHA Alumni Manager, bringing you the 22nd episode in our regular podcast series, which includes audio material from the Halebury Archives. This month is a special edition, which highlights the important role that women have played in our history. We have two short pieces from Dana Schintz, the first captain of the Halebury Girls College in 2007, and now a member of the Brighton staff. Then, we hear a reading of reminiscences from Elsie Simpson, the school's first librarian and only female member of staff in the senior school in the 1950s, until Mrs Wells joined in 1961. Mary Black, younger daughter of Halebury's fourth headmaster, Sholto Black, sends a message of support to the girls from her experience as one of the first female students in the 1940s. We also have five short biopics of important female members of staff from a series entitled Halebury Treasures, produced by Bill Waters and Matthew Wooten from the Archives team. Let's begin with Dana explaining how she came to Halebury in the first place in 2007. I'd always loved school. In primary school, I was school captain. At my old high school before Halebury, I did every extracurricular activity under the sun. I spoke at students' parliament and parliament house. I did debating. I was highly academic, very sporty. Yet the school I'd previously attended did not really seem to celebrate or appreciate these particular things. And unfortunately, the attitude was that these things were deemed a little uncool. And I began to question my love and dedication to those co-curricular things and my love of school and so it just so happened that during year 11 the opportunity came up at Halebury that they were opening up to girls. I'd done swimming competitions at Halebury before and I'd always really marveled and admired at how grand the school was and so I decided to apply for a scholarship there. Not only is it difficult to move schools in general, imagine moving schools for just year 12, then compound that with moving to a prestigious boys' school subsequently. In 2007, that was the year that a really determined group of myself and 51 other girls Uh, where we took a monumental step towards our future and our learning and we all decided to move to Halebury for our final year of schooling. The girls who started in my cohort were similar to me. They were confident, they were really driven, they were strong-minded. And to be able to move schools in that final year, you have to have a lot of self-confidence. And we were a really remarkable cohort of young women. And we walked really proudly through those gates and we were really eager to make the most of our time there because we knew we only had that one year. So we set the standard really high. We immediately made lots of friendships. And a lot of those friendships are very long-lasting and still stand today. We didn't have social media, no iPhone, Facebook, Instagram or Snapchat. And I like to think that we are part of the generation that has the best of both worlds, where we didn't have those things at school, yet we have them now so we can appreciate both sides. And basically, due to the absence of those things, I think our interactions and our relationships were really organic. And despite originating from many different schools, many different backgrounds all over Victoria, the transition for all of us was really seamless, 
and like I said, still standing today. Thanks so much, Dana. It sounds like you definitely threw yourself into every opportunity available, which is wonderful. From Rendell through to Bradshaw, headmasters' wives played an important role running the boarding school. The Halebury Mothers Association was founded by Margaret Dickinson in 1933 and was pivotal in significant fundraising activities as well as the more traditional roles of catering for afternoon teas and larger functions in the Memorial Hall. Next up, we have three of our treasures read by our very own Susan Strafford from Reception. Enid Archer Years of Service, 1949 to 1973. A trained infant teacher, Mrs Archer provided many years of dedicated service to the kindergarten and beginners group at Brighton. She played a valuable part in the education and character formation of hundreds of boys. One of her fondest memories was of a five-year-old boy who, having been told that Mrs Archer was sad because of the death of her mother, who had gone to heaven, promptly replied that... You can come to my house, Mrs Archer, and sleep in my bed and have my mummy. She hasn't gone to heaven. Marjorie Cudahy. Years of service, 1949 to 1970. Nicknamed Cuddles, Mrs Cudahy taught boys at sub-primary level at Brighton. One of the girls' houses at Caseborough is named in her honour. She joined the sub-primary staff in 1949 and was appointed the sub-primary directress in 1956. She was an outstanding teacher and a caring and protective guardian of small boys. After her retirement, Mrs Cudahy continued to attend school functions, always remembering boys' names, faces and performances. Her son Ian attended Halebury. Jean Carey. Years of service, 1955 to 1979. Jean Carey was an effective grade 3 and 4 teacher at Brighton for many years. A diminutive Scot, she insisted on very high standards of work and behaviour. She was a listening post who provided solace to teachers and students who endured stress or worry in difficult times. As the coordinator of social services over a long period, she was responsible for the raising of many thousands of dollars which were distributed to worthy charities. Thank you, Susan. Such wonderful stories from some amazing Halebury women. And now, a reading of Elsie Simpson's reflection on her retirement in 1973, having joined the staff in 1950 as a teacher in the junior school. This piece is read by Carla Hawley. I first came to Halebury College to enrol my son in Class 3 and found myself leaving the headmaster's office as a member of staff. Temporarily, I thought. A couple of years later, I found myself once again in the same office, listening to Sholto's pipe dream of a cultural centre in the school and agreeing to train as a librarian in order to take charge of that section of the dream. I've never regretted that decision one can learn so much from association with teenagers, their problems, their fantasies, their heartaches, and their methods of dealing with and always covering up real feelings. Next came the request to produce some plays. I had earlier taken part in the preparation of a small item for a school concert, Toad of Toad Hall. 
Names that come to mind, hmm. Andrew Home, John Guthrie, Tony Guthrie. These boys, along with many others, Ross Sundberg, David Bremer, John Mitchell, the list is too long. Join me in production after production. Producing plays and musicals with only boys to call upon for female parts may not sound very promising, and indeed made a lot of extra work, but the fun more than compensated. Rehearsals on a cadet day when army booted youths tried to tread the light fantastic or emulate an 18th century lady teasel are never to be forgotten days. And their helpfulness. There was a night when a certain Peter Jarrett missed his cue, eventually being found in a corner of the makeup room engrossed in a game of chess. The while David Campbell ad-libbed and carried the show along, himself worried that he'd dry up before Peter was found. Never were the lines, oh, there you are, said with more feeling. And our first Gilbert and Sullivan. Milton Thrift was more than willing to teach the boys the choruses, but it took some talking to convince him that a 17 or 18 year old boy could sustain a major role throughout the evening. There was one bad period of rehearsals when Doug Lenny decided he could not afford the time to learn the part of Frederick. Boy-like, he failed to realise that ten days before opening was hardly the time to reach this conclusion. An appeal for a substitute brought an immediate response from a member of the chorus and after a nightly session at the producer's home, Peter Morton went on to stage to give a wonderful performance improving on the order of verses at times, but the fact that he always sang a flat C endeared him to the audience for some reason. Anyway, he loved it all so much that he went on to learn more about singing and made a career for himself in the music selling world. I remember some bad moments backstage. One notable occasion was when a genuine period kettle lent by Eddie Mabberley Smith and used in the first production of The Importance of Being Earnest was not filled with water before being used on stage. In all innocence, the lamp underneath was lit and the play proceeded. Pecunious smell and some smoke became evident. Algernon and Ernest, played by David Bremer and Ian Simpson, did some improvising, rang for the butler, Ross Sunberg, who carefully removed the offending kettle. The bottom had been burnt out of Mab's borrowed kettle. Illegal borrowing, perhaps. So many other occasions come to mind. Ken Kemp and his makeup box, a tower of strength. The first one act house plays in the days of Michael Montgomery, Peter White, Peter Clark. The one act play festivals at Turak College. One cannot crowd the memories of 20 years into a magazine article. It was a full life. Thank you, Carla. Elsie sounds like an inspirational woman that certainly took on every challenge placed before her with ease. Now, we hear from Mary Black in a piece recorded in 2012 for a special assembly to mark five years of Haileybury Girls College. Kia ora. I'm the big little sister and Nan is the little big sister and we're the daughters of Shoulder Black and it's lovely to be able to send a message of greeting to you and the teachers and any parents that may be here today. So congratulations on attaining five years of girls being at Halebury. 
I think it's a wonderful achievement and we would both like to congratulate you. I find that from my background in New Zealand, I have many memories to reflect on. And they are memories around my education, my very early education and my living at Halebury. So Nan and I, I guess, are old Haleburians. So when you as girls reflect on the fact that you may be very new, just be comforted by the fact that a long time ago, in fact, I am 72, so I was here when I was a baby. That's a long time that girls have been at Halebury. So my sister and I would like to send a special message and I would like to send you a greeting that's in the language of our country. Ngā mihi ki a koutou, mā te atua koutou, e manaki, e tiaki. May God bless you at all times as you go through this period of education in your lives. When I reflect on Hanabri, I think of the treasures that have been in my life and the memories that I have had. So I would particularly like to reflect on that word great. You have a great school, you have a great opportunity. And as girls, I would like to once again call you in our language from New Zealand, Ngā Puti Puti Atahua, the beautiful blossoms. Enjoy your day and may you take that word great and reflect that being great is when you can understand the needs of others so that your great grandparents, your great school, your great opportunity are something for you to reflect on. You cannot be great if at the same time you diminish other people within the school. So girls, I ask you once again to enjoy the day, enjoy the moment, and God bless you and have a very, very happy time. What beautiful memories. That was simply wonderful. Mary would probably have been unaware that Charles Rendell's daughter Dorothy was actually the first female student at Halebury, commencing prep classes in 1905 and completing her senior certificate in 1914. Next, we have two more of our treasures from more recent times. Joy Henderson, Years of Service 1985 to 2016. Joy Henderson's bubbly personality and enthusiastic nature made her a Castlefield favourite over many years. Educated at Methodist Ladies College, her first teaching post was at Aspendale Primary School, where she worked for five years. For several more years, she taught at a variety of schools part-time, while raising a family of her own. She commenced working at Castlefield in 1985, and until 2002, taught in the junior schools at a range of levels. From 2003, she became an individual needs support intervention teacher before retiring in 2016. From chalk and talk, the wearing of academic gowns, the arrival of girls at Halebury, to the introduction of iPads for every student, Joy has witnessed many significant changes in educational practice. But from her point of view, certain tenets remain the most important thing in teaching. The desire to inspire students to develop an innate self-belief and the ability to learn independently. All of this underpinned by a love of reading. Amanda Fraser-Jones Years of Service 1988-2014 to 2014. Mandy was one of the greatest Halebury teachers of her generation. Clear-eyed and direct, her contribution was enormous. Sadly, ill health shortened her career, but did nothing to dim its luster. Her patch was the senior school at Keysborough. 
Geography was her speciality, but she could teach anything. Her devotion to her students and her ability to motivate them was exceptional, as were her energy and her capacity to care. Her support for Halebury in all of its many facets was unique. She threw herself into community care and social justice projects. She was involved with swimming and diving teams over many years and was a coach and manager of 10 APS swimming and diving premiership teams involving boys and girls between 1998 and 2009. She was the head of Bradshaw House from 2000 to 2002. She was also active in supporting the running of a range of drama productions. Her influence lives on in the memory of many old Halliburians. Thanks, Susan. And now to close our show, we hear from Dana Schintz again, recalling that exciting first assembly in 2007 when the girls and the boys came together in the senior school for the first time. Well, you should have been here on Monday the 23rd of October in 2006. It was the most perfect sunny day. The buses and cars flooded in and the students poured out of them. Boys and for the first time at senior school, girls. This was the historic date for the commencement of the year 10, 11 and 12 program for 2007. Early on, there was a girls' assembly and then a boys' assembly. The feeling at the boys' assembly was vibrant and anticipatory. At recess and lunchtime, 350 or so girls mingled with the boys, those old hands who had been here before. But they had never seen this. Students spilled across the quadrangle and into the Wings Cafe with its cappuccinos, lattes, wraps and other sophisticated treats. The buzz and energy was incredible. People stayed in original groups or mixed around. Also, there in abundance was a posse of new teachers, no doubt wondering what it had struck. To complicate matters, the Year 12 class of 2006 had come back in numbers to prepare for the upcoming VCE exams. The first combined boy and girl assembly was held at 10.40am the next day. Aikman Hall was packed and it was a magnificent sight. After the controversial press about the girls' scholarships and the issues of leaving their other schools in midterm, this was a big moment. Staff were on stage in full academic regalia. Stuart Bell did a reading, Rev Jim Stevens spoke and introduced, I vow to these, my country. And then Dr Pargeta addressed the group. His main theme was that to create and sustain a new school, people had to respect each other. A new song for We Are Halebury was introduced for the first time. Boys sang the first verse, girls the second, then all combined for the third. The singing was quite amazing for a first attempt. All in all, a watershed occasion. Thank you so much, Dana. What a gorgeous story. Well, that's it for this 22nd From the Archives podcast. Please remember that your feedback is what keeps us going. So if you've got a comment to make or a story to tell, please get in touch. To take us out for this special episode, we have the girls' verse and chorus from the school song, We Are Halebury. This is Haley Denny signing off from the Archives. Series 1, Episode 22, December 2020. Thanks for listening.